Well, good morning, Faith Community Church. Um, I, first off, I'd like to start off by thanking those of you who have been praying for me this week, uh, just as I prepare for this sermon. Um, this has been something that's been on my heart for quite a few months now, and I've been very anxious to share um, God's Word with you. And uh, the title, as you can see on the screen of today's sermon, is Delighting in the Word of God. So a few months back, I um, was looking for some resources to help my leadership team um, just to, to grow in their ability to minister to our students. My heart is for my kids, um, but I'm only one person. And so to minister to our group effectively, I wanted to equip them with um, a guide to help them to be able to, how do you pour into these kids more and how do you love them? So I, I, I sifted through all these books and, and different leadership trainings, and I finally stumbled upon a, um, a resource um, the pastor's name is Wayne Cordero, and the book is called Divine Mentor. I highly recommend it for those of you who are interested, and it just is going back to the basics. It's going back to this idea of delighting in the Word of God, and just how often uh, and how easy it is to slip away from that uh, essential and necessary discipline of being in God's Word day by day. And not just being in it day by day, but meditating on it both day by day. And night. So Pastor Sean is going to be starting the series next week on, uh, in Psalms, so this is more of a preface, um, and this text just happened to fit so perfectly with it. So I'd like to read you a passage from here before we get into the Word, because he just puts it so well, a little bit more eloquently than I can. Uh, the chapter is called Fresh Bread, and, and, uh, and this section, Pastor Cordero says this, he says, Today's church suffers from a famine of fresh bread, the bread of life, and it's not from a lack of resources. A recent Barna report says Americans spent $59 billion last year on Christian products and programs. As a side note, that's a big number. Uh, that's actually the equivalent of our uh, Washington state budget, a little more than a Washington state budget for the last few years. So it's a lot of money. It says there's no shortage there. We have a plethora of events and books, seminars and DVDs promising a magical elixir. Everything from personal growth to financial freedom to absolute fulfillment and global revival. We have prepackaged antidotes to small group woes, motivational messages to stir the soul, conferences that guarantee congregational growth. We have music that guarantees to lift up your spirit, plug and play ministries prepackaged in box sets to increase church attendance. Scripture-rich wristbands which assure you whose army you're in. Despite all this, few would deny that there is a spiritual famine raging across our land. If we are going to fulfill the Lord's calling in our lives, we need to be better nourished and in sharper condition. Placebos, sugar-coated spiritual boosters, may give us a taste of sweetness, but they will never strengthen us adequately to vanquish our foes. They will never grow us to be pillars and supports of truth that are required in these last days. They will never deliver the necessary character to the young leaders who are called to lead us into the future. We must tap into the same source that nourished the saints of old. Guess what that source is? Finishes off by saying, Like Isaac who dug again the wells of his father Abraham, so too must we dig again the wells of our fathers so that we might journey through the desert and see God's promises fulfilled. 
So that is what I'm aiming for today to stir in you, for those of you who have not been delighting in the law of the Lord, the desire that, man, this is living water. This is the bread of life, the essential foundation to thrive in every aspect of our lives. For those of you who are already in the discipline, to encourage you to walk alongside others who need that support. I love seeing the diverse uh, group that we have here. We have children, baby right there, and we have young people. We have, well, everyone's kind of young relative to eternity, but you get what I'm saying. We have people with hair, people with no hair, people with gray hair. And as I see everyone here, I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely honored to be walking alongside such godly men and women who have been there and done that to learn from you. And I know if I asked you, how did you, um, how did you get to the place where you are? And you'd probably tell me, well, I'm still not there. I haven't arrived this side of heaven. And that's very true. But I know that you would tell me that it's through trials, through tribulations, through trusting the Lord over years and years and walking faithfully with him. So today we're going to focus on delighting in the word of God. But before we jump into the text, let's go ahead and take a moment to pray. Lord, I just pray that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may be pleasing to you, O Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. And as we take a look at what it means to delight in, the, in your word, Lord, in the law of the Lord, God, I pray that you would ignite in us a hunger and a desire to be in communion with you day by day and moment by moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to be in two main passages here, Psalm chapter 1, and we'll be in John chapter 15. Let's start with Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." I want to focus on that word delight for a sec. To, to delight in something is to take great pleasure in something, to find joy in something. Can you guys think of a moment in your lives when you just had great delight in something? Um, this morning, actually, it was so funny. As I was going through this very part, it was just it's such a God thing. I love how the Lord just, just puts these things. As I was talking about and, and reminding myself of moments that I delighted in, I was looking at, I was preaching to the walls in the kitchen uh, over there. <laughs> You know, if you find me preaching, you drive and you'll see me doing that. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm looking at Mount Baker. I'm looking at the, the, the blueberries, which are just lush. And I'm like, I want to go get some. And then there's this deer that just starts walking right in front of me. And I just like, wow, I'm, I, this is a moment I'm delighting in. Just so beautiful. God's creation, amazing. We went to Bryce Creek this last weekend. And I sat there and I delighted in seeing all the kids, adults, everyone, fellowshipping, playing, seeing nature, awesome. I thought of this moment here when uh, some of you were there, when my, my bride was walking down here, and in that moment as I'm waiting uh, for her dad to present her to me, delighting in that moment. When my kids were born, delighting in that moment when they said, Dad, Dad, I'm like, ah, oh. you know, <laughs> delighting in that moment. I try to remember those moments when they're like, ah, you know, fighting, so. <laughs> Whew. The joy, the joy, the joy. Okay. Um, to delight in something. That same feeling, that is what God has called us to, to delight in his 
word, as we read, we're like, whoa. That's it right there. To delight in the law of the Lord. The law, the law of the Lord literally is Torah, and that's the first five books um, of the the Old Testament we read there. Um, and, and there are many things that can hinder us from delighting in the law of the Lord. Um, but the one I want to focus on today is, is the one that I, in my experience, that I see uh, many Christians uh, too often fall in, and that is neglecting to even open up the law of the Lord. Neglecting to even read it, to, to get that refreshment and that strength and the wisdom from Scripture. Uh, to neglect to open up the Word of God. Now my purpose is not here uh, as always, to guilt trip you. I'm not here to manipulate your emotions and be like, are you reading your Bible and just like stare you down? It's like, oh, why did he point at me? Sorry, man. Uh, no, but rather that prompting, if you feel that in your heart, I, I pray that that's God's spirit. And my, my purpose here is just to, um, as, as David prayed to the Lord, um, Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. God, that, that would be our prayer this morning. God, would you search our hearts? Am I being in the word? And if you are already reading your word daily, Am I being intentional about meditating on these words day and night? Or is it just like, check for the day, check for the day, check for the day? It's so important that we come to this well, which is rich and satisfying, um, and to delight in. I remember when I was, I was um, trying to uh, make Gabriella fall in love with me, I would shoot her a text. Some of you are like, why are you texting? Well, I would say, hey, can you call me? Because I'm a, I'm a phone person, right? So I'd call, and I would just delight in the conversations that we have. Um, this is a conversation that God wants to have with you. He wants to speak to you through his word, speak to you through prayer. And I love the illustration that verse 3 gives us here. The illustration of what it means when we are abiding in the word, when we're Planted, it says, we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. When we are connected and abiding in God's word, we are thriving. I mean, really thriving, strong, totally satisfied. Now, the, it's uh, July 16th today. Now, how many of you started a Bible reading plan January 1st? It's okay, you can, yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm not going to ask you the next question to raise your hand. Now, I just want you to think about this. It's July 16th, which means that there, more than half of the year has gone by. And if you go back and you, you creak open and you're like, oh, my Bible reading plan, maybe you're still on week two in January. Um, I'm, again, I'm not here to guilt trip you, but really just to get you to, to realize that, uh, you know, are we in God's word? Of all the days that have gone by this year, how many of them have been spent in God's word? I'm a numbers guy, so I want to give you a few statistics here. Um, this, uh, this is a chart. You might not be able to see it, but I'll read it there for you. The red represents 2021. Um, I'll start on the, the very, uh, your right side. Uh, so the, according to um, statistic, 29% uh, of uh, people surveyed said they never read their Bible. Um, we have 13% that read it less than once a year. 8% that read it once or twice a year. 8% that read it three or four times a year, 8% that read it once a month, 9% that read it once a week. And then at the very end there, we have 11% that are surveyed said that they read their Bibles every day. Um, another, uh, another, I didn't put this one up there, but according to Pew Research, uh, the age group, the demographic that reads the Bible less out of all the age groups are 18 to 29-year-olds. So young adults, are you guys reading your Bibles? Uh, Barna Group has similar 
statistics here says that about 25% of people read their Bibles two to three times a week. So the inverse of that is that 75% of people only read their Bible once a week. And maybe that once a week is right now when you're opening up your Bible. Now, one other statistic I wanted to share with you is the U.S. is actually the largest uh, of the entire world. We're the largest uh, consumer of, of goods. Um, now, now, what's the point here? I talked about that $59, million, um, excuse me, $59 billion consumption of Christian products that we have in America. My, my point is this. There is a great hunger that is inside all of us. A need to be filled and a need to be satisfied. And whether we are looking for it in other things or whether we're trying to get that placebo effect from prefabricated stuff. I'm not saying that don't buy Christian resources. I just recommended you get this book. It's really great. But what I am saying is that cannot be your only source of nourishment. This cannot be your only source of nourishment when you get spoon-fed God's word. No, my friends, my challenge to you today is to open your word and delight and read it day by day. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 1. Wait in there if you can say amen. John chapter 15, verse 1. I've gone through this section before, and I love it because it's such a beautiful illustration of this, of abiding in God's word, continuing faithfully in it. John chapter 15, verse 1. Amen. Reading God's word, it says, Jesus is speaking here. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser, a gardener or a farmer. Um, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, the father is pictured here as this master gardener that takes away the, the dead and decaying branches and then he prunes the other ones so that they may uh, bear fruit. And, and in the same way that we have to be connected to the true vine in order to bear fruit, the way that we connect, the way that we hear from God is through reading his word. It's very basic stuff here. Um, going on verse 3, and here it is. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now Jesus, again, he's speaking to his apostles. So... We're going to verse 4. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, uh, we sang uh, the song right before, Ancient of Days, and, and yeah, God is Ancient of Days. And Matthew teaches us that God's word, not a dot or tittle, will, will, will pass um, before his, his word is complete. Um, so whenever scripture says anything at all, it's his inspired and errant word, we should listen. When scripture says something twice, when it's repeated, it's like, oh, did you catch that? When scripture says something 10 times within the course of 11 verses, that's probably like, hello, that's what the equivalent would be. Uh, the word abide here, it means to continue, it's just to keep Pressing 
on, and we see this word, the Greek word abide, it's the same in, in these 11 verses. It, it's, it means to continue, to press on, to press forward. So Jesus says, abide in me, continue in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit in and of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Accordingly, we, we are nourished by abiding in Jesus. Now, um, I, I hear people, uh, mostly students, they share with me, but, but Pastor Danny, I, I hear sermons all the time. Um, isn't that enough? No. It's not enough. I'm not saying don't listen to sermons. That's great. I will not, never discourage you from doing that. But what I will encourage you to do is how much are you yourself opening up the word and reading for yourself to taste and see that God is good? I also got the question, well, what about Christian music? I listen to a lot of, you know, uplifting praise, and, uh, and I listen to a lot of, you know, Christian podcasts. Isn't that enough? No. This is the only book that contains God's words, his very words inspired, written for you and me, timeless. The well has already been dug, and we need to go and re-dig it, just like Isaac Read it, my friends. Now, I work with students, and so, you know, the, the generation that, that is coming up and that is already here, uh, this younger generation, my generation, we face different issues than the things that have passed before. One of the issues that I see so clearly, um, and it's kind of creeping its way into all generations, is this issue of complacency. We live in a wonderful time. I'm not knocking technology, but man, we have everything at our fingertips. I mean everything. Do you want entertainment? You can get it right now. Just pull out your phone. Ignore the sermon. Don't do that. I'm kidding. <laughs> you want food? You can have it ordered and delivered to your door. Amazon Prime, same day. Anything you want, same day. You want a, a, a nice, beautiful uh, cooked steak? Go get the hungry man out of the freezer. and stick. Yeah, you're like, hungry man. You stick it, hey, it hits a spot sometimes. Uh, you stick it in the, in the microwave and boom, it's done. And so everything is, is really made easy for us. We, live, we are so blessed to live in America. We have so much. We, it's uh, just so abundant and, and, and beautiful. God has really blessed us here. Um, so we, everything around us is easy. And so when we come to our faith, we're like, well, this, this has got to be easy too. I'm sorry, it's not. And if you were ever told that Christianity is easy, it's not. Not just because we're going to be countercultural, that we're not going to be in the world, but this is also hard work to master anything, to be good and proficient at anything. It takes work. It takes dedication. Now, there's a story in the book. I'm not going to read it for you verbatim, but um, Pastor Cordero, he, he goes and he travels to China, and he meets with the underground church there, and uh, they oversee uh, thousands of house churches. And, uh, you know, after this, after this training, he asked them, how can I pray for you guys? And so uh, the pastors, they, they tell him, Pastor Cordero, pray that we would be like you. That we would have freedom of religion like you do. And Pastor Cordero, after this weekend, he says, I'm not going to pray that. He says, you guys traveled 15 hours on trains to get here. To be in this hot room with no air conditioning, no comfy chairs. Some of you, I see the, the marks from the shackles from being in prison for preaching. Some of you, 
you had Bibles and, and you shared it with your friends who didn't have Bibles. Why? Because you had entire sections of Scripture memorized. No, my friends. I will not pray that, that we become like you. I won't pray that you become like us, but rather that we may become like you. I think of the parable in Matthew 25. When God gave talents to, to these people, he gave one five talents, gave one two, he gave one one. And with five, he went, invested it, became ten. Two went, invested it, became four. And with the one, what did he do? What did he do, church? He buried it. My fear is that too often we do that. We take the one talent that we're given and we bury it. I hear this a lot from kids and adults as well. That the Bible is too challenging. It's too complex to understand. Um, There are sections in Scripture that I still don't understand there are things in my theology that I'm still like, how can this be? And, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad because we don't have a God that we can fully comprehend and grasp and understand. Um, but this is what I do tell students. If in a passage you only understand 10%, how can you expect God to reveal the 90% that you don't understand when you cannot even manage the 10% that you do? That you don't meditate on that 10% day and night. It's the same thing. Read and pray. I have students asking me, and you know, we do an, I like to do an apologetics night at the very end of our youth group year, and a lot of the questions that we did, um, you know, some of the questions were like, uh, um, you know, Danny, I feel, I feel so distant from God. I feel like I'm not growing. Why is that? And uh, I feel stuck in my relationship, and I told them, I asked them this, are you in the word? Guess what the answer is? No. They're not. Exactly. So that's my challenge to them. I'm like, start reading your word. Start reading your Bible. Open it up. You have to be in it. It's not going to be dispensed to you. Christianity is not meant to be easy. I think of this uh, as well, the Samaritan woman. You can just look at this on the screen. Um, uh, In John chapter 4, verse 13 says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water that springs everlasting life. And then the woman, not understanding, she says, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst here, nor come to draw. Jesus offers us that living water, that satisfaction um, that we so desperately crave. Um, Now, let's go back to the text here. Verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you, church, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, fire is often a representation of divine judgment, so I want to take a quick pause here, and I I don't want to miss this opportunity. Um, I know in a room that is this big that there may be at least even one person here who is unsure about their faith or who hasn't yet put their faith in Jesus. And and I'm here to tell you that there is no other way to to salvation. There's no other, um, there's nothing else that will fully satisfy you except for having a relationship with Jesus. 
Hebrews says this, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this judgment. Here's another statistic for you. 100% of the people that are in here are one day going to die. Shocker, right? Um, and when we die, we will face judgment. We'll face God and... Um, but here's the hope, verse 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Now, if that's you here today, uh, I want to challenge you. Uh, come talk to me. Talk to one of the elders or deacons who are going to pass out communion. Um, we'd love to share with you what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and I don't think it's a, a, mis- a, a coincidence that you're here today. Uh, God, I believe in God's divine appointments, and uh, today is a day that he's called you to repentance and to follow him. Let's go back to the uh, John 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, remember, what does the word abide mean? It means to continue, exactly. It means to continue. You will ask, and what you desire, it shall be done for you. I love this if statement. Don't miss it. If my word is in you, and you are in my word, then whatever you ask shall be done. Now, obviously, if you ask, you're like, well, I'm doing both of those, Danny, so I'm going to pray, Lord, let me win the Powerball. Um, it's not how it works, of course, when we are in the word and when God's word is in us. We are in, in Lord, let your will be done. That's the biggest. God, let your will be done in, in, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, but uh, what we ask will be done. Verse 8 by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verses 9 and 10. For as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So in summary, to abide means to be connected, to continue again and again and we have to continue in our daily discipline of being in the word. Amen? To delight in his word. Man, some of you here might be struggling with, with, with life or, or with something, or you feel like, I'm just not thriving. Are you in your word? But Danny, that has nothing to do with... No, 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 no. Are you in your word? God's word is timeless. I love this verse here, Matthew 24, 35. The heavens and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. I like numbers, so I'm gonna share with you a number number. Um, Do you know how long scientists think it will take for the heavens and earth to pass away? Long time. It's 100 trillion years. Don't even understand what that means. I just say it and I'm like, wow, that's a big number. A hundred trillion years supposedly left in the life of the universe, and Jesus is certainly going to come way before that, but um, God's word will last a long time. It's true for my generation. It's true for those generations um, ahead of me. True for those that came. It'll be true for my children and their children and their children and their children. There's one more thing I wanted to touch on, and for the sake of time, um, I'm going to skip a few of these verses here. But um, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14, um, it just gives, 
gives commandments to the kings on how they should act, on not multiplying wives, not making for yourselves a lot of horses. Um, and, um, and then in verse, uh, verse 18 uh, is kind of where I want to focus on. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18 says this. And it shall also be when he sits on the throne of the kingdom, speaking of the kings, that he shall write for himself a copy of the law in a book. Pause. If you have read through Leviticus and Numbers, there are some sections where it's like, whoa, do these numbers ever end? Or this repetition ever end? Now, what was commanded of the kings was to write a copy of this for himself. Uh, from one of, sorry, uh, from the one before the priests, uh, before the priests, the Levites, in verse 19, and this is the purpose. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to what? To fear the Lord. Now, I often hear fear of the Lord is like, yes, it's a respect and a reverence and awe of God. Absolutely, I do not doubt that. But man, if you read scripture, go reread the Old Testament, and you're like, whoa, People did what was wrong in the eyes of the Lord, and it is not pretty. It's just like poor Aiken's family. Fear of the Lord. For his, sorry, his God, and be careful to observe all the words of the law and these statutes. Verse 20. Why? Because when you're a king, this can happen. This can happen for all of us, that our hearts may be lifted up above our brethren. Pride is an easy sin to slip into. So that's why, so that he meditates on it day and night so that this won't happen, that he might not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom and his children in the midst of Israel. And these are the guardrails that God had set, and uh, when they didn't follow them, um, the kings fell. Now, one last verse I'd like to get here before we go into a time of communion. Um, it's probably one of my favorite verses. I say that a lot, but this is one of my favorite verses. Um, I mean that. My wife is laughing because I say that way too much. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this. The word of God is what? Living. It is alive. Speaks to you. How many of you who are older than 50 have read scripture, read a passage, Again and again, you're like, whoa, I had not seen that before. Yeah, Steve, he's shaking his head. He's like, yes, it is alive and speaking. Not only that, it is what? Powerful. That word there is um, energies. It's like energy, okay? It is alive. It's powerful. It's not just like, like I, I, I read this word and then it doesn't have any effect. No, in fact, you know what Jesus did when Satan tempted him? What did he say? It is written. Exactly. It is written. Powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Oof. You ever heard a sermon or, or even just read the word and you're like, whoa, that is convicting. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts, it pierces, um, even to the division of joints and marrow and, and this, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intense of the heart. Last time I came up here and I preached on the battle of the mind and how we had to take captive our, our strongholds and not just captive, but destroy those strongholds. God's word, it discerns our thoughts and the intents of the heart. So my challenge to you, church, is very simple today. It's back to the basics. To be in the word. Abide in the word. 
to continue in it and to delight in the law of the Lord. Maybe you're already doing this, and my challenge to those of you who are already doing this is walk with someone who is struggling in this. Seek them out. There's a lot of young Christians here, not just in age, but spiritually young. And they could use godly men and women like you to walk with them. Um, so my challenge is very simple, to, to read God's word, to know it, to live it, and then to preach it with your life or, you know, if you want to come up here. And <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I love you, church, and, and this has just been a sermon that's been on my heart for, for, for months now, and, and I'm so excited. I hope that um, God's Spirit really has stirred in you a desire to be in God's Word, to know Him more, and to be in communion and fellowship with Him. Amen? Amen. We're going to go into a time of communion now. I'm going to ask our elders to come.